This is a message that was recorded at Word of Life, a London City Church in Lewisham, London. May God bless you as you listen. But it's good to see each and every one of you. You're all looking wonderful, radiant. And um, I have just a short period to bring this word to you, okay? And I pray that it will definitely minister to you. Um, This month, we're looking at Christ, the all-sufficient one, okay? Christ, the all-sufficient one. And that's why I wanted you to know that Christ is enough for you. Amen. Hey, what is the excitement about that? Hey, listen. I'm so sure if I said to you now that I have a million pounds for each and every one of you here, you'll be excited. Ah, you can see. (laughs) But you know why you're not excited is because... You don't see it. But as I share with you today, you get to realize what I'm talking about. I think scripture actually says, what can you pay? What price can you put on the soul of a man? Amen. So let's quickly look at scripture. And the title of my message today is, you have the words of eternal life. There's a scripture and this scripture is really loaded. It's actually in, in Colossians. We have one in Colossians and we have another one. First Colossians 1 and we have another one in Colossians 2. I will try as much as possible. I have so many scriptures. But I want to try as much as possible to condense them. But you will definitely get the gist. But this particular one, I'm going to read everything. Colossians 1, 15 to 20. He says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Now, Colossians 2 Chapter 2, verse 9, it says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. I want us to quickly stop and look at one thing, and the first thing there is the word fullness. Amen. Fullness. And what he's saying here. Fullness is that in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus is everything. He is the embodiment of God. Amen. 
Everything we need in this life is found in Christ Jesus. But you know what's interesting is that it's sometimes so difficult for us to grasp it. And the reason why it's so difficult sometimes for us to grasp this truth is because we're not seeing it. Because it's not physical. Hallelujah. It's spiritual. And you have to go away from the physical to be able to understand the spiritual. How many of you know that? And how many of you realize that you can never win a battle in the spiritual if you've not won it in the physical? So it has to start in your understanding of how the physical works to really press in to understand how God works in the spiritual realm. Because it's what he does in the spiritual realm that actually manifests in the earthly realm. Am I making sense? Okay. Now, I'm going to show you something here. The question I want to ask you is this. What is the need in your life? And you need to ask yourself, can Christ supply those needs? Amen. You know, Paul prayed a prayer for the Philippians church in Philippians 4. 19. Philippians 4, 19. And this is what it says. It says, and my God shall do what? Supply all your needs. Hallelujah. According to his glory, his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So what's that saying? He's saying that whatever your need is, hallelujah, it can be supplied. Amen. Because there are riches in the heavenly places. Amen. So for you to be able to grab or tap into those riches, you have to understand what's happening in the spiritual realm. Amen. Is it healing? Hallelujah. Is it deliverance? Is it breakthrough? You have to tap into it. And so sometimes people hear me go pray and they wonder, Pastor, you're always talking about pray, pray, pray. You want to see souls saved. Amen. Do you think it just happens? Hallelujah. It's winning the battle first on your knees and then you see the manifestation. Hallelujah. So the prayer says, as it is in heaven <laughs> hallelujah let your kingdom come here where on earth so you cannot bring heaven down if you have not understood the authority that you have or the fact that Christ can supply all your needs amen so let's quickly look at this word sufficiency sufficient what does it mean to be sufficient is to have enough. Amen? To be adequately supplied. To have plenty of something. To have an abundance of something. Amen? Sufficient is 
to have your needs met. Am I making sense? I'm breaking this down little by little before I get into where I'm going to. So when we go into the book of Corinthians 9, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, it says, And God, listen to this, is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having what? All sufficiency in all things, how often? How often? It should be there at all times. Okay, you don't have it on that. It, it, okay, that's a different version, but it says, having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound to every good work. Amen. So what is he saying? He's saying you have enough. You are adequately provided for. You have everything that meets your need always at all times. Amen? Are you getting me, people of God? I'm trying to get you to understand that there is absolutely nothing that you need from God that you wouldn't have it. But it is how you ask for it. It is a relationship you have. Okay? Let's quickly look at that same scripture in the Amplified. In the Amplified, it says, And God is able to make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessings come in abundance to you so that you may always, under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything, being completely self-sufficient in him and have an abundance for every good work. I'm just trying to give you a picture here before I go into the main teaching. And what I'm giving you here is the understanding of sufficiency. Amen. As human being, as Pastor Roland, as much as you call me, you know, sometimes people won't think I, I, I'm a doctor. I'm a financial advisor. I am a marriage counselor. I'm a parent. So... I carry this big heart, but I don't have enough to give you. Amen. Neither is that person that you run to all the time. Even a counselor has to tap into the spiritual realm, into the heart of God, to know what the heart of God is for you. Am I making sense? The only person you can run to that can give you everything you need according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus is him. Because in him, all things, what? Consist. Okay? He is the fullness, the embodiment of God. And doesn't the Bible say if God is hungry... He will not ask you. He says the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to who? Belongs to him. So whatever they're fighting for in Ukraine does not belong to the person who's fighting for it. Amen. The gold, the silver, no man put it there. It's all God's doing. 
And that's why he is the one who can give you everything you need. Have I made sense, people of God? There's a saying where I come from. He says, I'm going to say it in my language first, and then I'll tell you the meaning. Any ring kohe to fekupelwe or when he toti sonunko. That's not tongues, so that what I'm saying is that when someone loses something and someone finds it, and now they want to die over what they found. What about the person who lost it? What should they do? So sometimes we have this erroneous idea that, oh, this person is rich, is that. But it has to come from someone. And it's come from God. And that's why you and I, being born again, complete in Christ Jesus, we have what? Everything we need in Christ Jesus. But we need to know it. Amen. So I want to quickly give you a scripture. In John 6, 22, it's a very long scripture, so I might not read everything, 22 to 68. Jesus has just finished feeding these 5,000. And then, all of a sudden, Jesus goes away, and they're looking for Jesus. And Jesus appears later on. And they go to Jesus, and they ask Jesus for just one thing. Where have you been? (laughs) And Jesus says, I know why you're chasing after me. I know why you're looking for me. You're looking for me because of the food you ate. And I want to, I want to submit to you, people of God, that sometimes we're looking for Jesus because of what we can get from him. <laughs> Do you believe me? The reason sometimes we serve him is because of what we can get from him. But Jesus is saying, I have something more than food. I have something more than physical food. And until you eat that which I have, you cannot have eternal life. And so Jesus began to speak to them about bread. He gives them all this scenario about bread, how the children of Israel ate bread. He went on and on and he gave them all of this. And then he got to a point where he says, you need to eat my body. Hallelujah. You need to drink my blood for you to have eternal life. And sometimes the message of Jesus, the message of the cross can be quite misunderstood. And then all of a sudden, the disciples begin to disappear. And Jesus turned around to Peter and said, do you want to leave me also? And Peter says, no. Who do we go to? You have the words of eternal life. Amen. And I want to submit to you. That for us as Christians, as believers, the first thing we need, which Christ has in abundance, is abundant life. Oh, you guys didn't hear me. (laughs) What does John 10.10 say? John 10.10 says, the thief has come to do what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it how? Abundantly. Abundant life, Christ has it enough for you and I to live an eternal life. 
Oh, people of God. No, 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 no. It's not that. I just want you to grasp this. You get what I'm saying? I want you to be able to understand it. Because when you and I can understand this, it will make a difference in our Christian walk. Amen. It will make a difference in our Christian walk. Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. Amen. I am the bread of life until you eat from me. You cannot live. You will not have eternal life. And people begin to run away from him. So what are your needs that Jesus cannot meet? If Jesus has given you life, what is it that you have that he cannot meet? And sometimes it might feel, it might not feel as though your needs are being met when your focus is on your wants rather than your needs. And we might be fooled sometimes thinking we have needs, but we actually have wants. But the truth is that Jesus says, I will meet your needs. I am the all-sufficient one. Whatever you need. Do you know scripture says, it says, ask. Doesn't he say that? Ask and you shall what? For whosoever asketh does what? Receives. Whosoever knocks, the door gets open. Whosoever seeks, finds. So how much of him do you look for so that he can meet your needs? Amen. Because of time, I'm going to go straight to some, to some of the needs that Jesus will meet if you ask him. If you talk about abundant life, Jesus will give you abundant life. Amen. If you ask, if you need peace, Jesus will give you peace. Amen. The truth is that when you have a need, who do you go to? And I'm not talking about physical needs because we all can go to banks for money. <laughs> Isn't that so? We can go to doctors for healing. But what about that sickness that a doctor cannot heal? Amen? <laughs> when you, who heals it? What about the financial situation that you are desperate to see God deal with? Who do you go to? When you've gone to the bank, the bank has refused to give you a loan. The bank has refused. And Jesus is saying, I think Brad George said it today, when you quote Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. I want you to trust God, people of God. I want to encourage you to trust God. I think we're just excited about what God is doing currently. When you look at adversity, sometimes adversity can turn out to be good. <laughs> I think there was a lady who says, oh, when you're in the mountain, enjoy being in the mountain. When you're in the wilderness enjoy being in the wilderness because there's something good about the wilderness sometimes God is using your adversity to draw his attention to himself to say hey son I've been waiting son I've been looking for you to ask me amen son what you need I have it 
Why are you looking for it somewhere else? It is like taking coal to Newcastle, okay? But God is saying, look, I, I'm here. Speak to me, child. But we can run around and miss him. Amen. I've talked about abundant life. Because of time, I'm just going to. But do you know, some of us, we're looking for forgiveness. But we do not realize that we can find forgiveness in him. There was a day I started thinking about when I mess up. And I go to God and I say, God, I'm sorry. And he forgives me. And then I begin to say to myself, but I do mess up again. I do mess up over and over again. Will God forgive me over and over again? And God just reminded me of a scripture. When Peter went to, to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive my brother, is it seven times? And Jesus said, no, 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 not seven times. But seven times, 70 times. What's that, Matt? What's that? Yeah, go on, tell me. 490, whoa! Put your hands together for her. Charlotte, yes. 490. And do you know that it's not 490 in 365 days? It's 490 in a day. Amen. And that's why he says he does not keep the record of wrong. And that's why he says, he says, if God was to mark iniquity, we will stand. We will stand. But there is forgiveness in him that he may be feared. Is it forgiveness that you're looking for? He has it in abundance. Am I making sense, people of God? Because you see, what we, the problem we have sometimes as believers is the enemy lies to us. And the, when the enemy lies to us, what he says to us is you've messed up. God is not going to forgive you. And so what we do, darling, can you come? Please, what we do when we've messed up and we believe God is not going to forgive us. Okay, listen, this is, I'm not God. Okay, but I'm just saying that, pretending to be God. Remember, I'm what? Pretending to be God. <laughs> you've, you've offended me, okay? But now you're running away from me because you've offended me. So this is what happens. What you will do every time I turn my, stretch my hands out to you, you turn your eyes away from me. Okay. You know why? Because we're too ashamed to look at God in our sinful nature. Okay. So God is reaching out to you. You're turning away from me. And God is saying, my daughter, I am here. My daughter, I love you. My daughter, I care for you. My daughter, there is forgiveness in me. There is abundant forgiveness in me. But what is she doing? She's running away. And this is what we do most of the time. Because we've gotten to a point where we feel we've disappointed God. We've messed up so much. But the heart cry of God is that there is so much 
forgiveness in me. That's why I gave my son to die for you. Are you hearing me, people of God? Until she comes to a place where she says, Lord, I'm sorry. Amen. Forgiveness becomes difficult. But there is forgiveness. Does that make sense? There is forgiveness. This is embodiment of forgiveness. This is an embodiment of love. This is an embodiment of faithfulness. This is an embodiment of loyalty. This is an embodiment that gave his life so that we might have eternal life. But as long as we keep running away because we've messed up. But what he's saying is, child... I'm ready to wash you clean. That's why the blood was shed. Child, I'm ready to make things better. But you have got to come back to me. Because I'm full of forgiveness. He says, your sins I have put in the sea of forgetfulness. The plate. God has not asked you to go yet. Now at this point, you're turning around and you're saying you're sorry. Because penny, the penny has dropped. And you've heard what God is saying. And people of God, that's why I encourage you to always read the scriptures. Because the more you read the scriptures, the more you find out that there's forgiveness in God. The woman who was caught in adultery. And listen to what scripture says. It says, in the very act. So I can just imagine that when this woman was caught, she was taken from that place naked to Jesus. That's my, the way I'm picturing it. Because they said, in the very act. And she was to be stoned. Amen? Are you trying to say to me that Jesus didn't know what the law says? Because that's what the law says in Leviticus. But the law also says that the two of them, that's the man and the woman, but it was only the woman. <laughs> okay. But when Jesus, when the woman was left alone with Jesus, Jesus asked her a question. And that question was, where are your accusers? Lord, there is no one. And Jesus says, neither have I condemned you. And that's what this young lady needs to understand. This is what every single human being needs to understand. That there's room for them to come to that place of abundant forgiveness. So you turn around now and you say you're sorry. Okay. <laughs> now, when you get to that point where you're asking God for forgiveness. And this is what we need to understand. First John 1 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the minute she says, I'm sorry, God reaches out, holds the hand, and brings her up. Okay? And she can, she's my wife. Those of you, I can embrace her. She's my wife. She then comes into the embrace of God. Thank you. Did you get me? 
Because in God, there is enough forgiveness. <laughs> Hallelujah. In God, there is enough love. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes people think I've messed up and that is it. It is not it. It's the devil that tells you it's over. God is not saying to you it's over. When Adam messed up, God did not say Adam has messed up. He went looking for him. And that's what makes God the very first evangelist. <laughs> are you getting me? There are quite a few other things I have that I want to share with you. But I don't have the time to do that. But I hope what I've just shared with you makes sense to you. That in God there is what? Forgiveness. And it's in abundance. Amen. It's in abundance. As long as you're still on this earth. As long as you're breathing, okay, God will forgive you if you ask him to forgive you. Amen. I remember my son and myself. Maybe that's why I left you on, on here. We used to have this game when he was younger. And we would fight. And then we would wrestle. And then I'll pin him to the floor. And then when he's on the floor, um, I'll hold his two legs and his hands. And I'll count one Two, and then he goes, Dad, I'm not out. And I'm saying, you're out. I have all your body pinned to the ground. I said, as long as my finger is moving, I'm not out. So as long as you're alive, and there is a part of you moving, oh, hallelujah, you are forgiven. <laughs> as long as you're alive, people of God, you are forgiven. So you have enough joy. You have enough forgiveness. You have enough love. You have it in abundance. God is full of it. He never, he will never go bankrupt when it comes to having forgiveness. If you have been blessed by this message, please don't hesitate to contact us at www.wordoflife-lcc.org. And remember, God loves you 